one. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am Christy Francesco. Dean and George are with me per every single week. Uh, a quick show update. Next week, we'll be covering, I believe, Survivor Series 1998, we agreed, since uh, we are um, going to be taking all of December off. But the next week, you will get a show, most likely Tuesday or Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving. Um, so, like, what's going on? The reason why it's the last show is because it got Thanksgiving weekend that rolls right into my birthday and I'm going to be pretty busy all of that week. Um, so there will only be uh, one more show for the rest of this calendar year. Uh, the very first week of January of 2023, we'll be right back into it beginning uh, with Royal Rumble coverage. Uh, let me see if I can find all right, my schedule here. Here we go. So here's what's coming up in January for everybody who doesn't know. These are the Royal Rumbles we are going to cover. Uh, Royal Rumble 2007, 1997, 2015, and 2008. Uh, those are the Rumbles uh, that we're going to cover once we get back from our, our year-end break. Uh, beginning in the first, in the first uh, week of January 2023. And then we're going to roll right into February through April. We're going to be covering... Uh, WrestleMania uh, pay-per-views and WrestleMania type subjects. We got WrestleMania 5, 26, 19, 20, our top 10 favorite uh, WrestleMania matches, WrestleMania 3, 12, our top 10 favorite WrestleMania entrances. And then we are going to give you guys a WrestleMania 39 preview, which by all accounts is from, if you believe rumors and innuendo, it's shaping up to be maybe the biggest dual main event in the history of pro wrestling. If, Anger. If, Anger. if what's being rumored is going to be true, which is rock and Roman verse. And, and then um, uh, Austin and Cena. So Dude. Austin I mean, and Cena is mega. Yeah. God, that's, like, as I, as I said to you guys in the Texas, that's like Andre Hogan, rock Hogan, uh, rock Cena one. That's, Oh man, that is yeah. a pantheon. I mean, that might be. I think, the we'll, I think we'll get wrestling attire. I think we'll get wrestling attire. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I think so too. He is looking not. amazing. Jor- jorts versus jorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, so we, tonight we are covering, which is as we're recording this, everyone. It is November seventeenth, two thousand twenty-two. The Happy exact. If you're, yeah, if you're, if you're a Wookie. Exactly. Happy Life Day. <laughs> Today is the actual 20th anniversary of Survivor Series 2002, uh, which took place at Madison Square Garden, November 17th, 2002. Also, this is the, I think it's the, um, the 20, oh yeah, the 25th anniversary of the day Rick Rude made history when he appeared on Raw and Nitro on the same night. Um, So that's a a lot of stuff happening on this very date. So that's pretty awesome. Um, However... Before we cover um, Survivor Series 2002, for the first time in probably a long time on any podcast that I've done, even ones that I have guested on other wrestling podcasts over the past couple months, I'll be talking about AEW for the first time in a long, long time. It's been so, a long time since we talked about it on here. Yeah. Um, you should take your shirt off so we really get into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't wait. I'm going to be as quiet as a mouse. Uh, so I'm going to mute me, my mic. <laughs> it, it, it came out today 
that last night's dynamite, which was as always pure unadulterated trash, um, uh, they had an arena that could fit 10,000 human beings, right? So you would think, you know, Tony Khan, the master and the greatest promoter that we might have ever seen since like Caesar in the Roman Empire. Uh, and, you know, you would think that this brilliant human being, this, this just juggernaut of a promoter, would be able to produce a product that could fit, I mean, how about like at least half the building? That would be ideal, right? Half the building on the go-home episode of probably your biggest main event, maybe since Jericho won the title for the first, becoming the first champion. You have a storyline that you've built up for like over a year now um, that I'm sure Tony Khan would say, since he's the equivalent of WCW, I mean, typically I think he's actually like the equivalent of like probably Smoky Mountain on its last week of existence. But, you know, you have MJF and Moxley going at it for the title. This is supposed to be the crowning achievement of MJF because I'm assuming he's going to win Saturday at full gear. Um, so on your go-home episode of AEW, Dynamite, um, you get 3,000 people in, the, in an arena that fits 10,000. Oh, and, and by the way, idiots, you also only get 818,000 viewers uh, with a 0.25 or 2.6 demo. Um, so not only did you not fill half of a 10,000-seat building, um, that's 3,000, I'll say that again, 3,000 people. You could fit 3,000 people in some high school gyms in South Jersey. Um, uh, not only that, you now <laughs> have 818,000 people watching your show, which is a drop off of like 120,000 just from last week. This is the most important show that you have of the last like three or four months. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. And I'm going to just go into this in terms of why I despise the existence of AEW and the fact that I share oxygen with Tony Khan. Um, the, the, the problem I have with AEW and the, and the fan base, if you want to even call, I mean, I, I would call them fans because they're obsessed fanatics um, that eat glue. And like, I, I look at it this way. If WWE does something stupid, the first thing that these, these basement dwellers do is they go online and they shred WWE and start saying how, you know, this doesn't happen on Tony Khan show or Tony Khan and the AEW is such a better wrestling product for wrestling fans. When 17 people watch AEW Dynamite and a WWE fan goes online and says, well, I mean, you, you guys want to talk about how great you are and how great of a wrestling product and how you've changed the landscape of professional wrestling. Then that AEW people go, oh, here goes WWE fans making it all about WWE and making it all about them. The, the only divide that has happened in pro wrestling fan bases has been created by AEW and their fan base. WWE fans watch AEW. But AEW fans, like real diehard fans, they will go online 
and they will sit there and they will tell you until they're blue in the balls that they have the most superior product. But yet, if you tell them facts, like you had a 1.4 in your debut episode over three years ago on a prime time spot, eight o'clock, when you are rarely sharing with anyone, like you don't have Monday night football, you don't have Thursday night football, you have nothing to compete with. And you haven't even touched like a 1.2 since. But yet, Tony Khan will go on Twitter every other week saying how it's like the number one watch show on Wednesday nights. Like, no, one, it's not. It, it was like the number one show maybe twice. Um, and there's and lies my issue. I don't necessarily hate the existence of all elite wrestling. I hate it in its current formation ran by Tony Khan. Tony Khan is as if Dave Meltzer was unmutated and became a promoter and like just ran the show like a video game. Like he just everything that you can imagine of of spot fest stories that don't make sense wrestlers that are the flavor of the week for for Meltzer or Khan that is how AEW is ran and there is just there's no flow to anything there's no formation there's no leadership and then you have absolute clowns like Chris Jericho who go on his own podcast or will talk to I don't know Bully Ray on his on Busted Open and saying how it's the you know the most premier and the best wrestling product on the planet Chris, I understand that you cash Tony Khan's checks. I understand that. However, I don't expect that from you. I expect that from, you know, suck asses like Jim Ross, who will literally whore himself out to whoever signs his checks. And I, and that's fine. That's all well and good. He's always been that way. But Jericho, I've always looked at a guy as like a real straight shooter, a guy that tells it the way it is, whether whoever he's working for. But when these kinds of things have been happening over the last, you know, like year where they can barely surpass a million viewers, um, you'll hear nothing from from Chris Jericho, nothing, unless it has to do with him and whatever he's doing. Um, The fact that this show and this product has gained zero, it's gained zero new fans. And that's a fact, again, because you had a 1.4 in your debut episode three years ago. You have yet to touch that number or beat it, which means you have lost fans. You haven't gained any. You have a set number, and that's it. You can barely hold their attention. This is one of the biggest main events. You know, People say MJF is like the number one heel in, in, in pro wrestling. Well, nobody gives a damn. Clearly, nobody cares. John Moxley, who everyone just adores for some weird reason, has never been a draw in any company he's ever worked for. He's a, he's he was way more interesting drunk than he is right now. But like this, that's this is my issue as a AEW causes its causes its own issues. It causes people like me to hate you because you throw it in people's face that they're WWE fans or when you trash their product oh you're just you're just um a shill for 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 vince or for hunter you know you don't know what real wrestling is all right sure all i gotta do every single week 
and I always I don't watch AEW. I read sometimes what goes on. I don't have to watch it because I'm one of the you know millions and millions who also choose not to. Um, that that when I see the ratings, that tells me all I need to know. And when I have three thousand people in a ten thousand seat arena, I what else am I supposed to do? Tony Khan is a poisonous snake to the wrestling business. Um, he's spending daddy's money. He does not care. But the problem is with the problem with Tony Khan to me is that this dude just will continue to run his mouth. He'll continue to make innuendos and bashes towards WWE. And yet WWE has puts like one thing with Jake Paul. I'm sorry, with one thing with Logan Paul on YouTube, and it's got like 30 million views within 24 hours. Yet Tony Khan runs entire shows on YouTube and it gets like, like 75,000 views. Like it, it, the trash talk doesn't make sense. I'll always understand. Look, I'm not a Vince Russo guy, but I always wonder and appreciate what he always used to said when you never acknowledge the other company, never acknowledge them. WWE acknowledges AEW by making fun of them, like laughable, like you don't exist. Whereas Jeff Jarrett, like a month after getting cashing chats from WWE, is already on his first appearance on Dynamite talking trash about WWE. Like, dude, you're, you know, now the last two weeks that you've been on the episode on Dynamite, ratings have plummeted. So it's just another company you're going to kill. Um, so, like, it, it, and then you, and then I always like to look back before I look ahead. TNA used to draw like 2.5s and 3s. And we always used to say, God, that that company sucks. Just trash. And they were on a no-name channel like Spike TV or, or I forget the other channel they were on at the time. And TNA was drawing high 2s into 3s. And then granted, WWE at that time were still putting in the 5s. However... WWE is still putting in, well, not right now because Monday Night Football, but still, w, Raw is still hovering between the 1.5 and 2, and then SmackDown is still between a 2 and a 2.4. Your main show that's on prime time on one of the most sought-after networks in television, you get 800,000 people. That's on prime time, 8 o'clock. People, everybody's at home. Everybody's done dinner. Everybody's in front of the television screens. Wrestling fans are tuning you out. And that's just a fact. You're not gaining, you're not gaining anyone. You're losing people. And you have an owner who is going to continue making you look less than every time he opens up his mouth. And I, and it's a shame because I think they're going to be out of business in a year. You know, my wife asked me today after I told her what the ratings were, she says, Oh my God, are they going to get canceled? I said, I don't think they're going to get canceled because I think it costs TNT or TBS like nearly nothing to have the show. So I think Tony Khan's paying for a lot of it. If anything, they're just going to get moved to like a dead time slot, like 10 p.m. on TBS, you know, something like that. They're just going to get moved. Um, I think they're still going to keep them. But you, we're all going to know in the next like six months where this company is when you start seeing people just bolting for WWE. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of rumors are already, I mean, Cody's already gone. Um, 
you know, guys like Wardlow wants to get out and head over to, to Triple H. Um, I mean, I hope none of the ladies from AEW come to WWE because then you'll see death on television every week. Um, and, you know, they've already ended career. I mean, look, on Saturday at Full Gear, instead of promoting the talent that they have every single week, Jeff Jarrett and Sting are re- are like hosting their own TNA lockdown from 2010 on AEW pay-per-view. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of going on Twitter and Instagram. And when all things hit the fan for AEW, the excuses are ridiculous and they are at nauseam. Well, okay. Well, if you get 800,000 viewers in your go home episode, 3000 people show up to your show. What excuse could you possibly come up with other than it is a bad product? I don't know. It's awful. The fan base is terrible. Uh, the show is is brutal. It's unwatchable. The talent has little to no training. And we know that by, I mean, the fact that they're letting Britt Baker and Paige kill each other, it's like a real life purge is going to happen right in front of us because one of them are just good. They're going to kill each other. Um, and it's just, it's, I don't understand where the, the affection comes from for this company, because I don't know what they offer that people like. I don't, when they say they're different from WWE, they're different in one way. They bleed. Well, one guy bleeds, but that's normal. And he, and nobody cares when he does it. Like, honestly, nobody gives a damn. He's so irrelevant. It's not even funny. They're not different at all, other than the fact that they, most of the roster can't wrestle. And most of them can't tell stories. Their best guy, MJF, has cut the same promo for like six straight weeks. So there's, there's, there's nothing edgy about them. And the only time his, pro, his promos are good, MJF, is when he has to mention somebody from the other side. With William Regal in the same ring, who um, was from the other side for 20 years. And then he sends those little innuendos out. So that's what I mean. The, it, it's just awful. And I can't take it anymore. Um, so that's my rant on AEW. <laughs> Golf clap. Um, I, I would like to say uh, one thing. It made me think of when you were ranting. Um, so I did a little research while you were doing that. Um, so after that whole issue uh, with CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that following dynamite with the strip of titles, they went one, two, three, four. Uh, they went five consecutive weeks with over a million um, viewership. Mm-hmm. On September 21st, <clears throat> they have had one since then, which was uh, one of their last million viewerships. Uh, they've had one that, that's cracked a million. That was October 5th. Do you know what happened on September 21st? I don't. Moxley won the title. Wow. Mm-hmm. I okay. think I don't think people. I don't think Moxley is as popular as everyone thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Because if he was, they would still be cracking a million every week. Because they went five weeks and that was the best run they had in if probably ever. Yeah, it was. People were people were like, "Oh, who's going to win the belt?" Yeah, and they put it right back onto somebody that is has that's just that's just boring. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I mean, listen, I haven't watched since he won the belt because I don't really 
like Moxley at all. I, I I don't think he's a terrible ring worker, but I don't like his gimmick. I you know I don't he does really nothing for me. So, I mean, I don't really watch religiously anyway. I might pop on if there's a mm-hmm. match advertised that I want to see, you know. But, um, yeah, I I think that's a big reason, and I I, I think people are at the point now where it's just like. Like we you know, we complain about like, you know, Chris. We talked about like who the hell is going to beat Roman? Yeah. But you know what though, Roman is compelling TV. He is because, because he's the best thing in the business, and he mm-hmm. has been since this character started, since yeah. this gimmick started. He has been the best thing in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't watch AEW because I just feel like Moxley's just going to beat everybody, and I he just can. have no desire to watch him as champion. Mm-hmm. So I might get shocked. I mean, listen, I was blown away when Punk beat him at um. Um, I, all all out, all out. Mm-hmm. Last, yeah, I was shocked. I really thought that Punk was gonna lo- was gonna lose. I was shocked that they mm-hmm. did that. So, I think I have no. I I would be. I'm actually gonna be shocked if Moxley actually drops the belt on Saturday, Sunday. Hmm. Whatever day it is. Did, so, so I, just since, trust, I just don't trust the company. I don't trust Tony Khan. And I he, agree. He, like like you said, he is the reason that pushes me away because at times. They do have very good wrestling shows. They mm-hmm. do. But they're few and far between. There'll be like mm-hmm. a few weeks of like, hey, those are some really good shows. Mm-hmm. And then it just drops off the face. And you're just like, whoa, like, this is like unwatchable. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even like it's bad. Like, WWE is like boring. Mm-hmm. But you're like, all right, there's still some good stuff to watch on the show. Like, AEW is just like, it's like unwatchable. Yeah. Trash. Like, 80% of the time. 85% mm-hmm. of the time. I'll, I'll, so... But that's I think that's why the ratings are dropping. I think people are just I think they're stick of Moxley. I think um I think they're their boring. stick is running I think their stick has yeah. grown old with their fans. Yeah. And only the diehards are really the ones that defend them still. Right. I'm just gonna so. I'm just gonna hop on say what I gotta say on it and then we'll obviously move on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Um, much better things. Yeah. I think <laughs> one of the reasons why this go home episode of Dynamite didn't didn't draw because it's we've been getting the same shit week after week it's they keep pushing it's like oh this week page and soraya and the or a uh, page and Britt baker and a ring together soraya and Britt baker and a ring together it's like yeah they've been doing this for four weeks this isn't anything new this is like telling me seth rollins is going to show up on raw i'm aware seth rollins is going to show up on raw i expect to see it I expect to see this crap now. It's to the point that that last little in the ring fucking face off that Soraya and Britt Baker had, the crowd is dead. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Britt made it to took another shot at WWE. Shock. And nobody fucking reacted. It's just like, yeah, that's just how you talk now. Like nobody cares, Britt. And also, they kind of turned MJF face. He was like he was team. He was uh, like aligned with that uh, that Stokely Hathaway group, the firm, and then the Terrible. firm turned on him. Mm-hmm. And then this past Wednesday, he came out and saved Moxley from being attacked by the firm. Why do you have two faces going for your title? Why did you take the best heel in the business and give him a fucking fan base? Why did you do that? Now you've typical Tony Khan bullshit. Mm-hmm. You've taken something that was great and you've dipped it in shit. Mm-hmm. And now watch. Say MJF does win the belt, he's gonna get booked like Adam Page is booked. Mm-hmm. On it now. Mm-hmm. 
He's going to be in the middle of the <coughs> show. He's going to be in forgettable segments. His first feud is going to be with, I don't know, fucking Lance Archer or some shit. Something painfully forgettable until he eventually drops it to one of Tony's golden boys. Mm. Yeah, probably. There's, there is zero compelling anything. To watch the paper. Yeah, I think the, the mistake. The was, only thing that's getting more attention is the fact that they announced that there's going to be a media scrum after the pay per view. That's like your drawing point. Then just skip the pay per view and go right to the fucking media scrum. Then, and I posed this question to Dean uh, earlier, Chris, mm-hmm. is because um, because AEW likes to promote these media scrums. How is this any different from the pre shows that WWE does for the premium live events? And Dean, I know you have gone on record several times. You think the pre-show is pointless because wrestling is predetermined. It's not, it's not like you're watching game day or you're yeah. watching like the NFL on Fox to Terry Bradshaw and, and, and that where, where they can, where you don't know who's going to win between the bills and the chiefs. Like we know what's going to happen when Roman Reigns gets in a ring with Logan Paul. Like we don't, we don't need the pre-show for that. Yes. Granted, they do throw us a match or two every now and then. Not like it's a show stealer, but it's basically something for the fans in attendance. And for, hey, you tuned in to watch the free show. Here's Cedric Alexander getting squashed. And <laughs> I just don't see the point of it. Like the pre-show and the media scrum. It's I, I don't want to say this because it's going to come out wrong. It's not real sports. Well, it's not. It, yeah. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's not <clears> any <throat> of that. It's predetermined. It's a novelty, and I, I'm not trying to. And I'm not trying to, to, like shit on wrestling as a whole. But it's always been seen as a novelty. Mm-hmm. Like that's why. Like there are some people who don't want to go anywhere near it because they think it's a joke. There are some people that see value in WWE and the media exposure. So you know, someone like Logan Paul will go there, or they'll get like a random celebrity, but. It's a novelty act. I mean, Mm. they are athletes and people do get hurt and the shit that they do in the ring to a point. Yeah, it is real. I'm not saying it's fake. Storylines are fake, though. Storylines are Mm. Real quick, I got to correct you on something, George. MJF was a face when he returned uh, because he was supposed to face off against CM Punk, who was supposed to be a heel, except for that nuclear went off and but what they should have done was they should have put, put the belt on Bron- uh, Danielson and had him been a heel because he's a phenomenal heel and right. then keep MJF at the base. So right. they, he fucked it up in the beginning because he's because uh, Tony Khan's a clown. So. Also, I'm going to correct you. I don't, right. <laughs> I don't I don't think Roman Reigns is the biggest thing in the business right now. I think at this point, it's Sami Zayn. Well, it involves Roman. Yeah. I mean, say, <laughs> Sami just gets fucking monster pop after monster pop yeah. anymore. You're not, you're, not, you're not being Usy, Chris. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Chris is not definitely not being Usy. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah. on to why we're here. I can't wait to listen to that rant when I'm at the gym tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, That'll get all right. me in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I go to the gym, I might skip the gym tomorrow. Mm. I'm going to work a double, so. Oof. Um, My right, double is a normal work day for people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> George is like, you son of a bitch. George is um, like, like, you mean a full day of work? <laughs> eight hours to George is just starting the day. Um, I did eight hours today at Staples. It was glorious. I was like, oh, man, half day. 
going home. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so here we are. WWE Survivor Series, Madison Square Garden, November 17th, 2002. This is the 16th Survivor Series. It took place in a year where major changes were uh, taking place for the company that officially renamed itself uh, World Wrestling Entertainment way back in May uh, of that year. Along with the name change, WWE also did their first ever brand extension that saw them split their loaded roster into two with Monday Night Raw getting half the talent and obviously SmackDown getting the other half. By Survivor Series of 02, Eric Bischoff was the GM of Raw and Stephanie McMahon was a GM for SmackDown. There were also changes for the roster. Steve Austin was at home due to a dispute with Manajit. That was the famous walkout from the Brock Lesnar situation. Uh, he came back in early 2003 and wrestled his last match in 19. Well, so we thought, <laughs> uh, you know, 20 years changes a lot of things. Uh, the Rock had gone to Hollywood, although he was around in early 03 as well. But for the most part, the full time days of The Rock were done um, by this point. Uh, Brock Lesnar was a rookie in 2002 that was holding the WWE title on SmackDown uh, after he won it from the rock uh, back in SummerSlam. Um, Other main roster rookies in 2002, eh, not big names at all. Just John Cena, Randy Orton and Batista. Who are they? Um, Yeah. Right. The main event, the reason that this show is, is famous and still talked about all the time is this was the first ever elimination chamber match. Um, a lot of us went into this not knowing what to expect. There was so much curiosity about what it would look like. Um, in terms of the numbers for this pay-per-view, let's kind of go back a little bit to kind of give you a landscape um, of where we're at here. Uh, in 2000, uh, Survivor Series had 400,000 buys, um, which was about half of the views that Dynamite got this past week. Um, in 2001, 450,000 buys, which we covered last week in, in, in our archives. This year, 2002, 346,000 buys. So it's down 104,000 buys. However, the gate to this pay-per-view was $1.25 million, second only to WrestleMania 18. So wow. they what they lost – in pay-per-view buys, they more than gained back uh, in their in the gate here uh, at MSG. Regardless of the live gate, that's 104, you know, less 104,000 less pay-per-view buys year over year. Why is that? You know, I'm, I'm asking myself, like, why going over these numbers, especially with this being the introduction of the Elimination Chamber? And I, I just didn't understand. But then I kind of started looking at uh, like year like 2001 was a really big year for WWE in terms of pay-per-view buys. But after um, SummerSlam 2001, you could really tell if you go look at 2002's buy rates, other than the Rumble and WrestleMania, it was a really down year for the WWE. Um, I mean, so much so they had uh, pay-per-views that were at 320,000. Unforgiven had 296. No Mercy, 290. So, you know, and then you had this Survivor Series at 346. So, you know, this was, I guess we, we talked about it last week, previewing this show, that 2002 was the transition year. I, I, I mean, like we just said, Brock was a rookie, Cena, Orton, Batista, all rookies at this year. And then you had Austin that was gone, Rock that was 
you know, I wouldn't even say part-time. Um, he was... Oh, you, did you hear that, Chris? No. Is that RNN? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was definitely a, a transition. However, I mean, God, the, the rookie... I Looking at this in 2002, and you're like, dear God, we had Lesnar, Cena, Orton, and Batista come in the same year. It's just insane what everything yeah. – what it became, uh, which is unbelievable. Um, We're entering into my favorite period of wrestling ever. That's me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, this is just – I, you know, I've prefaced before many times on here and to you guys just privately. Like I love the Attitude Era. I love the Golden Era. But there was just something about like from like 02 to like 08 was just – some spot. I mean, o- really, like O two to like O six was like spectacular in yeah. my opinion. But like, I'll even push out the O eight. Even like, kind of getting close to two thousand ten, it was still mm-hmm. pretty good. Like that was just a great run in general. And I, so I was over George's the other day, and we were watching a little bit of this. I, uh, you know, I finished. I figured we were just going to talk about the main event anyway. So I, I yeah. went back and watched the Elimination mm-hmm. Chamber. It's one of the best. One of my favorite moments in wrestling is watching Sean win this belt again. Yeah. Or, or I guess first time winning this belt because it was a world heavyweight championship. Um, yeah. But I just remember going like, man, like it's, I have a lot of good memories of, of, mm-hmm. of the, like the ruthless aggression there. It's, it's, it's hand, in my opinion, it's, it's the best era of wrestling. I, I agree with you. I won't, I, I'll, I'll never disagree. Cause that's, that's my feeling as well. Um, because we even talked about like when we cover, WrestleMania 19 in like February. Oh, I can't wait. From such start a- to finish, the whole card is Hall of Famers. Yeah, I like, love that's such a great mania. Uh it's it's yeah, it's my it's my favorite mania. Um so the opening video package might, focused might be mine too. Yeah, I mean I can't wait to go back and watch it. Um the opening video package focused on Lesnar and Big Show from SmackDown brand, and then the first ever elimination chamber match featuring raw talent. Um so here we go. We have an announced team of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. I'm going to kind of go really fast on these to get to the main event, but it's just a couple tidbits I want to say uh, for some of the matches here. The yeah. opening match, I mean, it got the crowd off its feet, that's for sure. Elimination tables match, Jeff Hardy, Bubba Ray, and Spike Dudley versus three-minute warning and Rico. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, for what these guys did, it was basically a car crash the entire – thing and the main part apparently i mean to me the main part of this match was two things get jeff hardy to jump off of something high and two get devon into the ring to give that good new york dudley moment um with uh uh, bubba and and devon at the end there um overall I, i mean i gave it three stars because from start to finish man they really had the crowd on their feet and as much as we rip jeff hardy and i mean i was a jeff hardy fan in 2002 I mean, dude, the crowd loved them some Jeff Hardy. Um, mm-hmm. So I will uh, – I give this match three stars because I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do uh, for a kickoff match to a big pay-per-view at MSG. You know, a couple really good high spots, and then you you brought back, you know, Devon with Bubba. So I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, how about you, George? Yeah, same. I mean, I was thinking the same thing around three stars. Also – Good lord, that fucking bump that Spike Dudley took to the table. Oh like, god. Face first through the yeah. table. Yeah. Oh god. Just mm-hmm. a human crash test dummy. He really like, was. Whatever they could do to him, they're just like, hey, let's 
hey, let's stab him in the ring and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, that's how he was in ECW, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it's Mass Square Garden always, uh, always a big spot for the Dudleys. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm also going to fucking say this. I'm getting this out now. Uh, you might as well just call this this pay per view saliva series because yeah. this fucking band showed up four goddamn times throughout the night. I hate you. <laughs> Look, this is, I see the pick every pay per view that saliva is a part of, and I admittedly, you know, what we the fun things that we do in our group messages, which is why we're just great best friends. Um, all you know, the three of us is we'll have a, a part. Of a of a randomly, if we're in the middle of something, like we have these confessions. I won't say a lot of them over the air because they're you know it's private. Um, <laughs> but but uh, Chris this, confession. Chris and I like Creed. <laughs> Dean, that's why I said I won't say some of these because I didn't. I was going to be like Dean said, just, he loved Creed just lost six thousand <laughs> listeners right there. Um, but we so, gained Scott Stapp. <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, like one of them I wanted to say, and I said it to George was, man, at this time I love saliva. Like they were a huge, but like, and and I remember we, we were going back and forth saying, <laughs> like, what would Vince say if they brought saliva? The idea of saliva, get that mucus band, pal. <laughs> give me that spit band. Yes, yeah. give me those spit guys. <laughs> Triple H, Triple H walks out. You cough me, pop. <laughs> like, uh, saliva. Something I do with a woman. <laughs> I'll give her six million dollars. Did she sign an NDA? It's such good shit. <laughs> uh, such the, good spit, pal. Oh god. The <laughs> the uh, the second the second match here. I texted the group and I said, "Look, for set an eight minute match, I gave this five stars." And I'm going to preface this by saying. I am a huge Billy Kidman fan and I was in WCW and I, and I felt like he was kind of robbed of, I think he was in the, the wrong place at the wrong time in this era of WWE. If Billy Kidman would have been in today's WWE, uh, he'd be like the perfect intercontinental champion. He'd be a great mid card guy. Um, You know, he'd be somebody that, would really be over in my opinion. Um, and to me, Jamie Noble and Nadia, the, to me, Jamie Noble, if he was like five inches taller, I think he'd be a top star in the business with how good he, wow. Um, hey. Holy cow. Um, look, I gave this five stars because I thought it was just nonstop. Like everything was done perfect there was so many high spots and really quick moving uh, uh uh like nasty spots and nobody botched anything noble and kidman were right on the money they sold perfectly um wow that's old school walkman um they sold everything the third one he's pulled out i know um and george i know you're a billy kidman guy what did you think of the match Listen, you told me you thought this was a five-star match, and I was ready to just nail your ass to the cross and set you on fire. I'm like, <laughs> wrong. And then I watched and then I watched the match and I'm like, damn. You're like right. Yeah. Chris was right. Yeah. I'm not gonna give it five. I mean, hmm. I, in, in all in, in 
it, 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 I mean, it is a five star match. Oh, I mean, okay. It was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just didn't want to give it five because I didn't want to because I didn't want to give Chris the satisfaction. But oh, I'll, thanks. I'll, thanks. I'll give the credit where it's due. I mean, it was a fucking banger. But mm-hmm. like, as you said, like you know, he, he's in the, like the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. This match happens like ten years later. Fuck. Oh my like, god! Match of the year. I'm telling you right now, like. You put those two and like and and just off just just way off kilter. You put those two in the X division and and uh impact mm-hmm. thick. Yeah, I would love to have seen these two guys like in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Oh yeah, or just a one on one ladder. Oh my, like an NXT. I, oh my god. I, I've always liked Kidman shooting Star Press, despite the fact that more often than not he fell on the dude's face and not on his body. <laughs> yeah, I know, but. Just his execution of it, it's you know, it wasn't like how you see it now where people are jumping like 10 feet in the air and just yeah. kind of hitting it perfectly. It was just like, I'm not even gonna jump and just backflip. It was you could tell you. that Billy Kidman's shooting star press was 110% self taught. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing about that that was uh, trained. Uh, oh, yeah. Who's teaching that in the power plant? Yeah, no. Um, Sarge Dwayne Bruce? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right. So let's kind of move ahead here. Um, women's championship match, Trish Hats for Victoria. Look, 2002 women's match. It was what it was. I thought Victoria, again, was like the equivalent to me of what like Alondra Blaze was in the mid-90s, where wrong place, wrong time. I thought Victoria was way ahead of her time in oh, terms yeah. of in-ring ability. God, she that. was so good in the ring. And um, this was and th- and this was just before her music switched over to tattoo all the things she said. That's true. Good point. And that and what was Thanks. it the widow's that widow's You're peak welcome. finisher? Badass. Oh, God, God, so good. Yeah. Um so I, I give her uh, uh kudos there. But um yeah she got she got the win um, and she's the new uh, women's champion. So good for her. A Every little... title changed hands. Right, all five, all five titles changed hands. Yep, that's a rarity. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Uh, let's see. WWE champion Brock Lesnar's backstage with Paul Heyman holding the title. Heyman said that he was nervous and noted that Lesnar had been coughing up blood since he had a broken oh. rib. Uh, Heyman hyped up Lesnar. Heyman said he'll do everything in his power to make sure that his client leaves here as a WWE champion ominous words but you know if you know what happens obviously in the match but you know at this time Heyman was one of the main writers on Smackdown during the second half of 2002 when the show was like at its best not shocking right um so here we go Brock Lesnar versus Big Show the the winner by pinfall and new champ is Big Show look we all have talked so many times how we just don't care for Big Show so the only credit I'm going to give this match was that they legitimately shocked the world with Paul Heyman turning on Brock Lesnar here. So I got to give them credit for doing a swerve for swerve's sake. It, so worked, what, it worked here. So what you're telling me, Chris? It's a swerve, bro. What you're telling me is that there was a screw job at Survivor Series? Yes, there was. Man, that never happens. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Although to be fair, and I actually like did the math on this. If you look at the good string of the Survivor Series matches after the Montreal screw job, there's been a screw job at Survivor Series. Yeah. That's a that's I have to look at that. Um that's trust, really cool. Trust me, bro. Oh, I trust you. Um 
All right, so here we get to the very next match before the main event here, WWE Tag Team Championship Elimination Match. Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Los Guerreros, Eddie and Chavo versus Kurt Angle and Benoit. Like, can I give God. this 10 stars? Can I give this 10 fucking stars? Like, uh, yes, you can. Like all, because, of the, all of the SmackDown 6 in one match. It, just fucking take my money, man. Like, this is, like, what, two, four, six of the greatest wrestlers you'll ever see in your life. And it was just like, dear God, <laughs> like it was just so much fun to watch. Eddie Guerrero was so him and I, look, I know I don't care anymore. Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero in the ring together, just as magical as you can just imagine. Mm-hmm. Fucking poetry, man. It really it, like that is the art of pro wrestling is when you watch Eddie and a guy like Benoit together or Eddie and Rey Mysterio. Like it's just unreal to sit there and watch um so the winners were los guerreros and the new tag team champs um i wish this would have gotten a little bit more time um but this whole night was centered around elimination chamber rightfully so um but yeah this was just like like george said 10 stars um also in the middle of this uh i don't want to skip it but i didn't really care about it because i was never a fan of him as a singles wrestler but there was this was also the night of the debut of Scott Steiner, who came out and just destroyed, you know, Chris Nowitzki and, and Matt Hardy. I gave him a concussion, <laughs> and he should have. And he basically ended the career of Chris Nowitzki. Um, so, um, so the crowd went crazy <laughs> for Steiner, like crazy for him. Um, yeah, they were, um, and they hollered. Um, so. That, that was a, a decent moment. I like that. So here we go. Getting into the main event. Uh, there was a shot of Shawn Michaels getting ready for the main event, and he was interviewed <laughs> by Terry. Before Shawn could say anything, Randy Orton showed up to do an RNN breaking news update to let us know the rehab of his injured shoulder was going well. Thank God. I mean, I I myself was worried in, 2020, <laughs> in 2022. Like was gonna come back. When this came up on the screen, I completely forgotten he had done these. And I said I said to George, I was like, look at that hair. And uh George George thinks that Randy should be doing this now with his back injury. Yeah, he should be. Thousand percent. Just just randomly, just don't even hint at it. Just do it as like a backstage segment where some fucking nobody is talking, and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. RNN update. Yeah. I mean, look, the RNN thing I thought was a great way to get him over as a as an arrogant heel. I thought it was great, mm-hmm. um, and that was really. And I think he should do something like that again. He um, loves it. He loves it too when he talks about it. He thought that was great. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, video package airs for to set up elimination chamber match for the world heavyweight title held by Triple H. The main storyline was that Shawn Michaels was in his second match since he returned from the back injury. His previous match was 1,100 stars against Triple H at SummerSlam, um, who attacked him after the match. Easy with those stars there, Dave. Yeah, my bad. Um, if this was Tokyo, Dome, 1,150. Uh, Triple, H, <laughs> Triple H was interviewed by Jonathan Coachman backstage with Ric Flair standing by Hunter's side. Uh, Hunter talked about how he's going to go up against five of the best wrestlers ever in the business, and he's going to walk out of MSG still the best, still the game, and still the world heavyweight champ because he's that damn good. Just a phenomenal promo oh. by by Hunter here, um, you know. But for now, excuse, he's excuse got me, a, his name is his name is Paul. Paul, I'm sorry. Uh, for now, he's got a first class ticket to hell. He wanted to know who's going with him. So, um, 
just at this time and hunter was like a true true tippy tippy top guy mm-hmm. um and it was just he was just perfect at everything he did uh the raw gm eric bischoff comes out inside goes inside the chamber to put over the brutality of the structure and he goes over the rules um just to let everybody know the rules at the time four superstars will be confined in two in the eternal chambers with bulletproof glass yeah okay uh two superstars will start in the ring every five minutes another guy will join the match elimination occurs after pinfall or submission the last remaining champion or superstar will be the world heavyweight champion um so here we go the order of entrance was chris jericho who was sang in by saliva um, like Live the- from WWF New York, you piece of shit. <laughs> Although, to uh, be fair, 2002 George loves saliva. Of That's course he mean. did. Yeah, of course he did. Oh, <laughs> disgust. Man, uh, you didn't know me back then. You don't know. You don't yeah, know I'm, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I wish I did. We would have went to all those great concerts at Creed and Saliva. <laughs> we would have went. We would have went to, to Ozfest back when George that was still a thing. George doesn't like. George doesn't like Creed. Well, we would have went. We would have held hands. Uh, yeah. Next up, uh, Booker T is the next up. Uh, Kane, who looked massive. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then HBK comes out in the beautiful <laughs> brown <laughs> pants with the Dutch boy haircut. Uh, regardless, oh. it was the biggest pop of the night. Uh, well, until the end, which I'll get to. Um, so, you know, his Can regular I ask you a question real fast. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. What was your reaction when he took off? I'll just keep asking though. When he when he takes off his chaps and it's these poop brown unfinished pants. Poop pants. When I I saw these, when I saw these pants and boots, I was just like, I don't even want you to win this match now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like so hard. It's weird. Sean's attire used to be so good. I saw that. I was like, I hope Triple H wins. It's <laughs> <So, laughs> like, I hope he's retired for another four years. So the, I was the, so uh, disheartened. That's like when he debuted his pants. I was just like, I don't like this. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because like even back then, I was like, oh, like these are cool. They look like they're different. But then I noticed like only the H is on his pants. So, clearly, these were not done. <laughs> Why did he bring a second pair with him? Uh, he didn't even bring like his luggage got lost in the um on the way there and his wrestling boots were in there. So all he had mm. were his normal walking cowboy boots. And he's like, Well, it's all I got. So I it guess was he's just wearing those waders he wore that one time on Raw. Yeah. <laughs> yes. kind of like rubber boots that you go fishing in. <laughs> right. It was just man, it was just wild. But I mean now I, now I could have just borrowed a pair of shoes from somebody. Shawn right? Michaels is the only guy I know that were unfinished wrestling attire twice in his career. Because then there was that <laughs> second pair of the those like really two thousands black ones that he had made that I didn't even know existed. Against R V D. Until I found that photo. I was like, what are these? I know. <laughs> oh, so uh, Jr. notes that HBK was five and five at Survivor Series prior to this, and his last Survivor Series was uh, the infamous <laughs> Montreal screw job. So, um, RVD was next up. He got a huge pop, probably second to Michaels, and then the last man up was Triple H, which put you know him at a disadvantage. Obviously, Tri- Jr. noted that Triple H, the guy known for being, you know, the guy who buries all the talent in the history of mankind, uh, walked into this match with an 0-6 record at Survivor Series. Which um, is not actually accurate mm-hmm. because he, first off, wasn't at Survivor Series last year, so mm-hmm. that's not even a thing. 
he didn't wrestle at Survivor Series 97 and he didn't wrestle at Survivor Series 98. So I don't know where well, he's getting he, I don't he, know where he's getting six from, but well, he, he came in in 95, correct? No, he debuted. Oh, he, he, yes, he, he, he did. He debuted in 96 <laughs> because he lost to The Rock in his debut in their Survivor Series match. Oh, so which he so he would be like, essentially, he'd be 0 in three or 0 in four up to this point. So I don't okay. know where he was. I don't know where he was getting a six from, mm. but it wouldn't be for another three years for Triple H to get a win at Survivor Series. His first Survivor Series win came in 2005 when he beat Ric Flair. The worst, the worst Survivor yeah. Series record and the worst WrestleMania record. Yeah. God, he just buries Mine talent. Fucking Correct. Nobody got uh, over. Nope. He just used his power to just bury everyone. Gold um, so um, after <clears throat> over 30 minutes, winner by pinfall, the new world heavyweight champion, Shawn Michaels, in one of the biggest pops I've ever heard in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Um and by the way, also one of the best calls by JR ever. Um, I gave this match five stars. It was violent. It was physical. Some of the huge spots. Triple H getting his larynx crushed, you know, 15 minutes into the match. Um, you know, the, the story of Michaels coming back to win the world title in the second match in four years was just awesome. Plus doing it at MSG, the first mm-hmm. ever elimination chamber match. You know, brown it was pants. just it was right, brown pants. Them. It really was <laughs> um, shit pants in a shit city. Uh, it was no surprise. <laughs> hey. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it was no surprise that the four other guys were eliminated in order to leave it to Sean and Hunter. It just made perfect sense. Um, that storytelling in its finest. Um, you know, Triple H wrestled over 20 minutes, barely even able to breathe. Um, so just as always, just massive kudos to that mutant. Um, there were several times in the match where you could tell like he had trouble catching his breath, but he just kept going. Three guys bled, which is something we will never see again at a WWE match today. Um, it's really tough to have an outstanding match in a first ever type match, but yet, of course, Shawn Michaels is part of another first ever match, and it's one of the best ever. I mean, five years prior, he's debuting the first ever Hell in a Cell. And it's still the greatest Hell in a Cell match to this day. Um, you know, the arena was full of confetti as Michael celebrated with the title. Um, you know, he's he's walking around, he's bleeding, he's soaking it all in. The crowd's going nuts. JR's losing his mind. Um, like, look, I'm so happy that this had a massive celebration because Sean deserved it. Uh, he did lose the title a month later to Triple H. Uh, but it definitely doesn't tarnish how cool this moment was. Mm-hmm. Um, your guys' thoughts on on the match? All time classic. Mm-hmm. All time classic. Yeah, like one of the, one of the, one of the best and one of the most memorable elimination chamber matches mm-hmm. of all time. And um, I'm going to correct myself, Chris. You were right. Triple H did debut in 1995. He was in. He was part of the Royals. Um, I thought so. And which he lost, which even if he still would have been 0 and 4 at this point anyway, because 95, 96, 99, 2000 were all losses. And those are mm-hmm. the ones he was at. Yep. Um, but it's it's so iconic. Just Sean, you know, second match back after being off for four years and he's holding big gold. And and I've often said this. It's a shame that he never got the world title again after this. 
Yeah. I think he deserved at least one more run, but Sean yeah. didn't need the belt. Sean never needed the belt. He put Sean, a, himself, Sean himself is a belt. Like perfect. you win, yeah. you beat Shawn Michaels, you might as well just give yourself a fucking title. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike other people that came back, he spent the last, you know, eight, nine years of his career, one, not only, you know, headlining, but putting over young talent and getting other talent. Like he, that WrestleMania, like 23, was like finishing school for John Cena. Like it was as if Sean was tasked with teaching him how to be a main eventer in the biggest event in, in, in the company. And it worked. And like, that's what it, and even Cena has said all the time. It's my favorite match of all time because I learned how to be the guy in the biggest stage in the world with the greatest of all time. So it's like, that's what Michaels did on his, his second half was not only, you know, having the second best career, like in terms of, like we say, his first career, he was the best ever. And then his second career, he was the best ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to, and, but, you know, we'll talk about that another time. But, uh, Dean, how about you? Uh, I mean, it's I, – I also – I think it's the greatest um, Limish Chamber match ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just being extremely, like, almost – not to tears because I don't – I'm not like, – yeah that sappy especially at this time this is 2002 so i'm 15 nothing makes me cry Um, yeah so but i remember just being like really like like i can't really describe how happy i was to see sean win yeah you know i was such a big sean fan and he came back and you know obviously i mean he had the SummerSlam match against triple h which was my all-time favorite match Mm -hmm. um so just to have him win that belt even though we only held it for a month it was just yeah. – it was nice to see that. And I, I agree with George. I think at some point he should have had one more title run. I agree. Because he was in the company for eight more years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could have thrown, you know, the WWE title on him one more time for, like, a month or two or something like mm-hmm. that, you know. I mean, I mean, you fucking you throw the, the, the belt on all these part-time – I mean, maybe not now, but, you know, for years you're throwing belts on, you know, Goldberg. You know what I mean? Like – Kali had a fucking belt. Like, yeah, you couldn't give Sean a forty-five day run with the you know, title. You know, when I would have given Sean the title hmm. for the run to uh, Flair's last match, I would have give. I would have put the title on Sean there for the last couple months leading into WrestleMania twenty-four, and like let Ric Flair, who is in all intents and purposes the greatest world champion of all time have his very last match at WrestleMania against his hand-picked opponent for a championship mm. and then have him go out, obviously losing the way you should do. But it was, you know, it, it would have made the match so much more grander to it. Yeah. And um, then Sean, and then Sean has the belt going into that Chris Jericho feud. Exactly. I think that that would have been the perfect way to give Sean another title run. It writes um, itself. It does. It does. That's, you know, I, I should be there. Um, so uh, let's see here. I, like just a couple of quick things here before we wrap up. There were five title matches with five title changes. That was obviously the theme of the show. Um, so uh, I remember, of course, marking out when Michaels won the title. That was one of the best moments mm-hmm. of my wrestling fandom. Even to this mm-hmm. day, I, I always watch that match just for that main event. Um 
I thought it was a mistake, though, to have no Survivor Series elimination matches on the show. Um, the table elimination match was elimination rules, but not a traditional five on five. I, so I think it's still <clears throat> important to have at least one traditional Survivor Series elimination match. I feel like this was that time period where they were really trying to like move away from those matches. Because yeah. I remember for a while there were talks that they were going to completely do away with the pay-per-view in general. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, I remember, and that that's come up a couple times. I I I just remember being like, "Come on, like you can't get rid of Survivor Series." You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think. Um, well, hopefully, going forward, as Triple H mm-hmm. gets more in not into things, but just like figures out what he wants to do and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Hopefully, these big four pay per views will be a little more something special. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, out of ten, uh, what do you guys give this show? Eight. Okay. Um, I went with a nine. I thought it was an excellent show. I remember SummerSlam 2002 being, you know, the best pay-per-view ever. Um, but I thought this Survivor Series delivered with Michaels winning, uh, you know, that main event just being so special and, and noteworthy. I thought the only bad match was Big Show and Lesnar, but it was more of an angle than a match because it just – it turned Lesnar face. It was more, and, it was more Big Show than that. <laughs> yes, yes. And this um, is back when Big Show was wrestling in black jeans. Because he was too fat. That's why. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I gave the show a nine. How about you, Dean? Yeah, I was thinking about a nine as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, all right. So, that wraps up tonight's show. Uh, we are going to be doing Survivor Series 1998 next week to wrap up the uh, calendar year here on the hot tag. So very much looking forward to that show. And then a little bit of a break as we get really in to um, the rumble and then into WrestleMania season. So we cannot wait uh, to get to that with you guys. Hot tag podcast on Instagram. Uh, We hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend. And we'll catch you guys next week, Thanksgiving week for uh, survivor series, 1998. Hope you all have a good one. Have one. Uh, Bye-bye.